Hey, Chad here, co-host of The Hillbilly and the Hipster. And I want to let you know that this episode's been brought to you today from the makers at St. Galgano Armory. And I encourage you to visit their Etsy store to order blacksmith merchandise. And you can do that by going to etsy.com slash shop slash St. Galgano Armory. And Galgano spelled G-A-L-G-A-N-O. And a portion of all proceeds are donated to St. Stephen's Cathedral in Owensboro, Kentucky. And I want to let you know that if you use the code HILLBILLY at checkout, you'll receive 10% off. And this is some great veteran-forged, made-in-America stuff. I mean, I'm really looking to order myself a couple of these bottle openers and rebar and railroad spikes. So check them out. Again, it's etsy.com slash shop slash St. Galgano Armory. And if you use the code HILLBILLY at checkout, you'll sub yourself 10%. Welcome to the Hillbilly and the Hipster. My name is Chad McCool. And joined, as always, with me in studio is my brother from another mother, Andy Crow. Andy, what's shaking tonight, brother? What's going on, my friend? It's... We got breaking news. Break. We have breaking news? Yeah, cue the music. Breaking news is I am back on the bird app. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, back on the bird. Also, how come every time you start the breaking news music... I instantly want to start singing the Simpsons theme song. Oh, it's probably pretty similar to those first couple of notes. <laughs> they really are. And so that's where my head went. Do you, uh, picture, yeah. do you picture blue skies and fluffy cartoon clouds? I picture you as Marge and me as the baby, and you're yelling at me from the back when I'm in the backseat. That's what I picture. Oh, I'm going to go down the rails right away. But I imagine that if I was a drag queen, I would. Look like Marge Simpson. Well, that's a, that's a topic for another podcast. <laughs> um, that's actually a big point of contention in Owensboro right now, but we'll cover that another time. Um, yeah, welcome back to the app, my friend. Well, I've been on for about six days and I already want to leave, so I'm very <laughs> limited in my time on the Bird app. I go in spurts where I really like it. And then I go in spurts where I'm like, why? Why does this exist? Same thing with Facebook. Um, I, you know, I keep the ticky talk around just because I enjoy the videos and laughing. But I don't make videos near as much as I used to. Yeah, the reason the uh, you're you're part of the reason the Chinese spy balloon came over, brother. Look, the TikTok. <laughs> Did you see? I don't know if this is real or not. Okay, so Daytona was this weekend. Yes. There were pictures of the Goodyear blimp floating over, and it said, don't shoot. Oh, right, because the Goodyear blimp has the messaging. Yeah, it has the LED message board. Yeah. And, so picture, and I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I hope it is, because that's... Oh, I hope it is, too. That would be hilarious. Comedy. That is that is quality comedy. Uh, and whoever was in charge of that, kudos. You need a raise. That is hilarious. I mean, I would, I've never, I just giggled. Um, I actually, I saw that tweet when I was at the chili cook-off 
at our church, uh, which by the way, Dr. Wife, um, she came in second place at our church's chili cook-off. Uh, so shout out Dr. Wife, who thought no one would eat her chili. Shout out to Dr. Wife. But I have a challenge to Dr. Wife when she listens to this episode in about eight weeks. Um, I actually, I think she's pretty on. I think she's pretty on them, man. Well, I won my church's chili cook-off. And I'm a two-time multi-state church chili cook-off winner for the same chili. So I challenged Dr. Wife to a chili cook-off for the hillbilly and the hipster. Well, so I can't judge because she made meatless chili. Um, and I, I I can't be a part of that. So um, you love I Jesus? Hear, do what? Because you love Jesus? Because I love Jesus. I have to have meat. Uh, um, but the, the family that was sitting at our table, um, or actually we, we were like, hey, can we sit with you? Um, cause they've been there much longer than we have. Her husband was one of the judges and she said, ma'am, your chili must've been really good because, uh, my husband voted for it and he's a cattle farmer. <laughs> he really likes meat too, but you know, so yeah. Uh, so if you, uh, are on the Facebook or the Instagram, you know, look up, tell Dr. Wife, congrats. Uh, you know, shout out. Anyway, I don't remember where we were going with this. Oh, um, we're talking about Daytona and Daytona the blimp. The, blimp. The, the Goodyear blimp and the, the straight comedy that came through it. Well, has been a few things, I think. I don't know. See, I'm still railing from my diabetes cookie. <laughs> So my sugar is wearing off. All right. So before we move on, just suss out what the diabetes cookie is. You told me pre-show. It depends on where you get them from. Um, here in here in Owensboro, we have the Great American Cookie Company. Uh, when I lived closer to Indianapolis, they had Toll House, and they called them Double Troubles. Uh, now, the Great American Cookie Company calls them a Double Doozy, and it is a giant cookie with copious amounts of icing on the bottom of the cookie, right? Not on the top, but the bottom. And then another cookie is put on it bottom down. So it's a cookie sandwich. Uh, and you can get like chocolate chip, M&M, peanut butter, sugar, any of the cookies that they have. You just pick two and they put the, oh, it's, I am a traditionalist because I love Jesus. I go straight chocolate chip. Um, and Dr. Wife, she, she, she's an M&M fan. I got her turned on to the M&M one. Um, but I just strictly do chocolate. Now that we're rabbit holing on diabetes, <laughs> diabetes cookies, um, shout out to the great American cookie company. Like if you would like to sponsor us, hit me up. Andy would like to bathe in diabetes cookies in the, the double doozy. Like you don't even have to pay for the show, right? If you just like, give me a double doozy a week, I'll, we'll, we'll plug whatever you want us to plug. Assuming it doesn't go against our morals and ethics. Well, Andy, speaking about business, and hey. I am I am enjoying a a Tobo Chico that I popped open with my rebar bottle opener from Saint Galgano Armory. Why don't you tell us about Saint Galgano Armory? Shout out Saint Galgano Armory. Um, so yeah, today's episode is like every other episode is brought to you by Saint Galgano's Armory. 
They are a company that forges their own blacksmith materials. So they make bottle openers, uh, knives, hooks, uh, all from either rebarb or railroad spikes or or just really they you know he talked about taking scrap metal and making something beautiful and and how it, it you know it's like God takes us right this worn out thing and, and renews us daily uh, and so it's pretty cool so yeah uh, they have an Etsy shop go to there check it out uh, more stuff is coming all the time. So you give them a look. They're on all the, the major social media networks. So right, you, Armory. you can check them out at etsy.com slash shop slash St. Gargano Armory. And if you use the code hillbilly at checkout, you can save yourself 10%. And I got to tell you, I, I do love my bottle opener. Highly recommend. We both got the bottle openers. Um, I've got a few different styles of bottle openers that he wanted me to try. Uh, and designs and then we both got the hooks i'm patiently waiting for my new office to open up so i can hang those hooks i've got mine in my office and and shout out to our 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 listener who's connected with us on twitter the most Appalachistan. still waiting for you to reach out to us buddy and uh send you your swag also, uh, I have a few more that that are open for for giveaway. So if you're interested and you'd like to try it out, uh, you know, shoot us a shoot us a message and let us know why you uh, why you need one. Yeah, and you can do that. You can reach us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at hillhipsterpod, or you can email us hillhipsterpod at gmail dot com. Andy. You're a member of a Southern Baptist church, are you not, brother? I I am an ordained pastor through the SBC and right now uh, not serving in a pastoral role there. Uh, but I am a member uh, of uh, a Macedonia Baptist Church here in the borough. Well, something big happened this week from the SBC that's kind of yeah, rattled a few folks. Yeah, the SBC is is making headlines and, and some, some people are shook by it. Some people are angry about it. Uh, some people are like, well, it's about time. Um, and why don't we talk about that? And there's so many levels of conversation that could happen. There are a lot of rabbit holes that could, that could possibly be tripped in. So as a listener tonight, we're going to keep this to under 45 minutes. I promise. We're going to try uh, as a listener tonight or in the morning or whenever you're listening, uh, buckle up, my friend, because it's going to be a ride. Um, and a ride that I'm not driving. So, Well, you know, the executive committee met and um, they've chosen to disfellowship uh, with six churches, one of them for. Um, I believe uh, I believe it's employing a pastor who had something to do with sexual abuse, and they've disfellowshipped with five churches for having lead female pastors, um, including one big one. It's a big one. 
What is it, the second largest church? So in the second country? largest church in the Southern Baptist Convention. I, I believe they, they are probably still the second largest CP giver, cooperative program giver. If not, they're they're definitely top five in giving to the cooperative program. Um, but they they chose the Al Saddleback Church in in uh in Orange County, California. That's been planted and pastored for a very long time by by one Rick Warren. And upon Pastor Rick's retirement, the church was handed over to a husband and wife team where they say they are not co-pastors. Um, the husband and I, their names escape me right now. And in my pre-show, pre-show prep, I probably forgot to jot those names down. But I believe uh, he is the lead pastor and she is the teaching pastor. So when you think about Saddleback, now if you remember, if you go back to Anaheim last year at the SBC National Convention, right? Rick Warren wrote, read his uh, sort of his his farewell letter, his love letter to the SBC where he basically, I'm going to paraphrase here, uh, he basically told the SBC how much better he was than the SBC and how much better the SBC was for him. Now, I'm going to say this. I, I think Rick Warren's been a solid guy. I, I, I think, you know, he has, you know, definitely helped in, in both believers and, and people's ministries for years with his books and his teachings. Uh, I would say that, I've benefited from some of it, but it just seems like the last few years, um, pride is a big issue that hangs around his neck. And that sort of love letter to the SBC, where I remember the one thing is I've he's trained more pastors than the SBC, all the SBC seminaries combined. When the truth of the matter is that the SBC seminaries combined train one third of the pastors in the United States of America, or actually, I think in all of North America, so that. It's training a third of all pastors, regardless of tribe, not just SBC pastors. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to reiterate the Warren has been a solid guy for a while. Um, he's he's had some ups and downs in his life, some big downs that sure. he's handled with absolute grace. Um, and so that is a plus that we I think we we don't need to forget. Um, but the phrase that comes to mind when I look at his, really what I would call his love letter to himself and his, um, the tweet, uh, the infamous tweet that he sent out after this happened, the phrase that keeps coming to my mind is pride comes before the fall. And so I don't know that we should be shocked that this happened. Um, but I think we all were kind of taken off guard by, it. I don't think any of us saw it coming. At least I didn't see it coming. Um, I was sitting in choir practice <laughs> working on our Easter choir. Uh, when I got the text from you that said, Hey, are you sitting down? And I thought you were about <laughs> to tell me something bad happened to you or something. And I was like, uh, actually I'm not, I'm standing at a choir loft. And then you told me, and then I immediately sat down because I just I wasn't ready for it. And so let's let's suss out where they're coming from before we do anything else. Absolutely. Um, there's gonna be some mixed emotions. 
Um, and there's going to be people from outside the tribe that are going to talk, and we're going to hit that up in a second, too. Well, it seems they're the ones that seem to be the most upset. People and, that aren't Southern Baptists, not even Baptists, let alone Southern Baptists, um, they seem to be the ones that are most upset. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, we've got a mutual friend who almost anything Baptist he's going to trash. Oh, yeah, uh, I think there's, and, I, I know a few people like that. I'm going to point out the pride factor that I, I just think that he thinks he's above it and better than and smarter than. Um, but yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the people that are upset are not, are not SBC and are not, um, it doesn't directly affect. And so let's suss out what happened, why it happened and what it means. Okay. Um, well, I, my first question is what does it mean to be disfellowshipped or removed from fellowship? Um, you're, you're out of you know, you're out of felt, you're no longer an SBC church. Um, you know, you don't have to give to the cooperative program. You're, you're no longer in cooperation with the convention or the other SBC churches. And, and I think, let me start with this first. Let, let me, let's backtrack a little bit. I, I want to go back about 23 years ago now to when our last, uh, Baptist faith and message or our confession, our last most recent iteration of it from the year 2000. And I want to just talk about what, what Adrian Rogers and Al and Al Mohler said, right? And they both they both affirm this that the SBC does not have the right or authority to tell any church whom they may call as pastor. The SBC has zero authority to tell a church what they can or cannot do or what they must or must not believe. How a church governs itself or chooses its pastors is not <coughs> what this dispute is about. And then I want to bring you to the Southern Baptist Convention Constitution. And in the Constitution, it says the convention will only deem a church to be in friendly cooperation with the convention and sympathetic with its purposes and work, i.e., a cooperating church, as that term is used in the convention's governing documents, documents which has a faith and practice which closely identifies with the convention's adopted statement of faith. So to be in fellowship or friendly cooperation with the SBC, a church must have a faith and practice that is in step with the BFNM, with the Baptist faith and message. If you contradict what the BFNM says about, well, in this case, female pastors, let alone anything, if you contradict what the BFN, BFNM says is by definition, you're choosing not to closely identify with the BFNM. And so when it's a direct contradiction of the BFNM, and the SBC is both constitutionally and morally right to deem a church like Saddleback as no longer in friendly cooperation. And let me talk to you, let me just bring you to in, in section six of the BFNM 2000, the last paragraph says, or I'm sorry, the next to the path, the next to the last paragraph says, while both men and women are gifted for service in the church. The office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by scripture. And then I'm going to bring you to scripture. First Timothy nine. I'm sorry. I take that back. First Timothy two, starting in verse nine. Also, the women are to dress themselves in modest clothing with decency and good sense, not with elaborate hairstyles, gold pearls, or expensive apparel but with good works as is proper for women who profess to worship God. 
A woman is to learn quietly with full submission. I do not allow a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Instead, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed. But she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with good sense. And I know I'm on the pathway to cancellation, but no matter, no, what Paul's writing is that not proving that women are subservient when they're told to be, um, when they're told to be submissive. Uh, you know, when a woman is to learn quietly with full submission and some of those things about a woman uh, to remain quiet comes to cultural norms. When women sat on one side of the temple and men sat on the other and they would yell over to their husbands, fathers or brothers and ask questions and kind of disrupt the service at the time. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we can suss out there, but basically there's a multitude of scripture we can point to um, that says women are not to have spiritual authority and they are not to be pastors right that is the only office they are not to be and and as southern baptists we really only talk about two offices in the church right pastor and whether you want to call that pastor elder or you want to be fancy and call yourself a bishop they are the same pastor and elders are the same and and the other office is deacon and i do believe there's nothing in the bible that says a woman can't be a deacon nor is there anything in the bfnm that says a woman can't be a deacon well, if I'm not mistaken, like the Bible talks about deaconesses, like there was, there was female deacons in the church with the, uh, with the apostles, not the apostles. Is the apostles the right one I'm looking for? Yeah. You're looking for the apostles. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure if it shows up in scripture around that time. I'm not doubting it. Just nothing comes to mind that I remember that when they, I don't, when they I don't called, have a mark, but I'm when they sure. called the deacon ministry. So, um, yeah, and you know, if you look at the qualifications of a pastor, you look at uh, uh, Titus uh, one six. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife. Um, go to First Timothy. Therefore, an overseer, an overseer again is another word for pastor or elder or shepherd. Must be above reproach of the husband of one mind, one wife, sober minded, self controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. It's really hard to be a husband to one wife if you can't be a husband. And so I'm not going to touch that because in 2023, there's so many variables we could lay on that. But not if you're okay, we're not going to touch it. So, what do you, how, how do you feel? How do you feel about this? About not just because it's Saddleback and it's a big one. And, you know, I think partly critics of the SBC, even within the SBC, right? We would thought they're never going to give up those CP dollars. Um, so here's, how do you feel about it? If it, if it was, a, if it was an R size church, right? Sure. So what do you run a Sunday? Uh, about 75. Okay. So you, you're a church of about 75. I think our church runs between 140 and 160 on Sunday mornings. Um, Mega church. <laughs> Right. Um, so I, I think if one of our size churches um, got an email from the convention saying, hey, you have a, a lady pastor, female pastor, um, it's biblically wrong. Uh, it doesn't mesh and we get the saddleback treatment and we're we're not in friendly fellowship. 
not a thing would have been said. Because we're little and it doesn't doesn't help the narrative that's going on. But because it's Saddleback and because of look at all the dollars and look at all, you know, it's from Orange County, which that says a lot too. Um, and not that Saddleback isn't doing great things like children's ministry and Saddleback has done great things for children's ministry. Um, I know because I've been to conferences that like they get almost all of their material from Saddleback and I've used mm. material from Saddleback. Sure. But I think it, it doesn't fit a narrative. And so because they're so big and they've done so much, it fits this narrative that it's it's a big deal. So, so I think, I think and this is where I'm this is where I'm a child, Chad. Okay. Um, and I'm gonna try size matters. Okay. Like that's I'm gonna get in so much trouble. Well, sure. And 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 I think non-believers, right? They've come in contact with Rick, with Rick Warren, right? Either somebody's given him a copy of the diet book, right? The Daniel Plan. Um, you know, it, it it's multitude of times like they've seen him on. You know, I mean, I know I'm old, but he's been on Larry King and and other, you know, news channels and talk shows. Oh, yeah. Like they've seen him, well, no, and it's it, a household name for the most part. He's a household name. So yeah, I mean, I, the name is so well known within both Christian and secular world. Um, Rick Warren <laughs> is, is was well respected by people outside of the tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on when you talk to people outside of the tribe, uh, we have mutual friends who I have heard dog Rick Warren, and now that that's been this has happened, they're like, "But look at all the good he's done." So just like know, Beth Moore, <laughs> God love her, <laughs> bless her heart. But yeah, I just. I think that's the big thing that's going on right now is, you know, it's this is an opportunity. Uh, the SBC has come under a lot of scrutiny within the last four years, four or five years. Um, you know, and I, I left the tribe for a little bit. I served in a in a in a different tribe. Now I've always been ordained SBC. Uh, I have always aligned my my viewpoints for the most part with the SBC, um, you know, we, we've had side conversations on where we differ. Um, and, and the good thing is like, we're allowed to have different thoughts. Absolutely. Uh, but I mean, you're wrong, but absolutely. <laughs> shut your mouth. But I mean, so, you know, the, the SBC has been under scrutiny for a while. Um, and I think this this comes to a head at a point that it helps the opposition because now it really paints the SBC in the light of the SBC hates women. It's all about covering things up and you know trying to put people in their place. When I don't, I don't believe that had anything to do with the decision. Um, you know, and we're going to get to the, the so-called cover-up stuff here in a few minutes because this is 
an all SBC show for tonight. But I, I really don't think. Well, I know that that wasn't the reason behind it, right? There was there was definitely biblical reasoning behind it, and I think if we're again, if you're not following core beliefs, how can you be a, how can you be considered in good fellowship? Right. If you're not lock and step with the confession that you adhere to. And, and I and I'll say this. Uh, I mean, I got a lot of things to say, but I'll say this: as an SBC pastor and a pastor of, a, of an SBC church, my church, my church is not in complete alignment with the BFNM, because um, when we come to the Lord's table, I fence my table, but allow if you are a professed believer in Jesus Christ and Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you can come to the table. You do not have to have membership in that church. And that's where I differ with the BFNN. Uh, but, but I don't believe that I'm out of sync. I mean, do I think it's a perfect document? No, I think the only perfect document is the Bible. And second to that, the closest thing to a perfect document is the Constitution. And that's still far from perfect, right? The BFNM is not a, uh, a perfect document. But ultimately, right, Saddleback and these other churches are not in accord with our confession, with the BFNM. But I want to ask you this. There's over 50,000 churches on the SBC website. And, and I haven't gone through all of them, and I've, I've heard some people talk, and I've, I've looked through some. There are churches um, that you can find through sbc.net who have women pastors on staff. They may be of lesser roles. They're not in a hierarchy right they're not a lead pastor or a teaching pastor or or an elder um what's the difference do you think this only adheres to churches that have lead pastors and teaching pastors and preaching pastors or it, I, I don't think the bible nor does the the bfnm and nor does the bible clarify that as well as long as the lead pastor is a man and you can have an associate pastor as a woman. Um, do you think that's a difference? Do you think those church there's other churches that should be out of fellowship with the SBC? So let me let me just go ahead and, and I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna expand that on a little bit, and then we'll come back to where you're at. Mm -hmm. There are women in in roles in the church that don't have a pastor title that are doing similar things, right? I look at the, sure. the one of the churches that I, I served as a youth pastor at, um, they had a children's director uh, who, who ran the kids program. And when I tell you that the biblical knowledge that my children have, mm -hmm. especially my oldest, because he was with her the longest, um, like, sure, I'll take credit for some, and Dr. Wife will take credit for some, but Shelly, man, she was on it. Sure. And she ran that kids program. It was the finest children's program that I'd ever seen done. I would put her kids program up against anything at Saddleback or any of these mega churches that have bukus of money to spend on it, mm -hmm. and she with a budget of zero she had to raise her own funds so 
and and so but she was never she was never called a pastor right uh, she was the children's director but did she have spiritual authority over people look so i'm not trying to make this like i'm 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 the perfect one in lock stop lock stock and step or lock step and stock whatever it is i'm trying to say i don't know what you're trying to say but i think it. in my church i have a woman who leads children's ministry but ultimately i lead the children's ministry as a pastor she's not a pastor she doesn't she's she you know she's a children's director she's a children's teacher but i mean she doesn't hold spiritual authority over anyone except maybe those children for for a brief amount of time as their teacher but ultimately i'm the i'm the children's director as the lead pastor of that church so yeah before i was so rudely cut off by my co-host here uh, that that's the thing. Like Shelly was over the children's, but she she answered to the the board, right? She mm-hmm. answered the deacon board, uh, and she answered to the senior pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, me as the youth pastor, I answered to the deacon board. I I answered to the um to the senior pastor. Now I you know, and then I had a little. I had more authority period because of my pastorate role um but no i i think ultimately the the onus of and i can't think of the right word that i'm looking for but like it all falls back onto the pastor like sure weren't the shelly wasn't the here all end all right? right the the lady that runs the children's program here at our church she's not the here all end all Mm-hmm. Like it, it all falls back at the feet of the pastoral staff. So I guess my question is, is should churches that have women in lesser pastoral roles as pastors, that they're called pastors and they're a pastoral staff or elders in their church, should those churches be removed from fellowship? So we're going to, we're going to look at this from two different directions. Um, and this may sound wonky, but hear me out. If they are legit pastors, mm-hmm. yes. Like if it's good, good for the goose, it's good for the gander, right? If we're going to do it to one, it needs to be universal. Now, if they're using the term pastor, but really it's more of a director because they don't know the title, they have they don't have any other title. They just we're right. just going to call it that. And so maybe. <laughs> Maybe we go dogmatic and, and actually look at the verbiage that we're using. Mm. Um, not verbiage, verbiage. I added a whole new syllable. Welcome to to the life of Andy. Um, but let's look at the verbiage we're using and let's see. Like, is there authority given? Um, is it the appropriate? Yada yada yada. And if the answer is no, then all right. Let's let's look at what we're calling it. Right. But if we're like, yes, they have full autonomy and power and blah, blah, blah. That's man. This is where I wish we had an edit button where I could, you know, let's take that back because power is not the right word. But you know what I'm getting at? Then, yeah. Power, I mean, power, wonder, work and power in the blood. No, it, I mean, but yeah, if, if they're going to say, yeah, they have spiritual authority over over us and this and that then by all means if we're gonna 
if we're going to disfellowship one for it, then I think you've got to go across the board. And this is where that nasty S word that has been thrown out for four years. I think this may be the earthquake that starts it. And for those who are wondering what the S word is, it is not the other word for fecal matter. Um, sorry, youth pastor. Um, it is split. Um, As in a few months ago at church, I split my pants. So hold that thought. In, in full transparency, I want to disclose that I am one of the 2100 Southern Baptist pastors who signed the letter that was delivered to the executive committee asking for a constitutional amendment um, for the credentials committee or the executive committee to push through a, a constitutional amendment to define in the SPC constitution what the BFNM says that the role of pastor or elder is specifically for a man. So I just want to lay that on the table for my, my pending cancellation. Um, and I think that that has been punted. I don't think it has been punted by the executive committee and will probably um, definitely end up coming to a head at some way at the convention in New Orleans this June. Um, I just want to say this, too. On, on the Baptist Faith and Message of 2000, I was signed on June 14th of 2000. There were two women on the committee who crafted the BFNM 2000. So they had some say in that. I want to talk about your call. When did you feel called to be a pastor? Just ride this train with me. I'm going to ride it. I, uh, man, I, that's a hard question for me to answer. Okay. Um, and so let's, let's suss this out. Well, let me, I, let me, I, let me, I, let me ask you something else then. So how long did you fight the call? Let's me, we were talking the other day, me and Ashley had been together for 17 years. Okay. And I can remember thinking to myself um, in high school that, you know, I'd listen to, to Brother George preach and just and then having this overwhelming feeling like, man, I'm, I, I feel like I'm going to be doing this. Right. And, and we've talked about my my role in, in that that small. When I say small, I mean, there was 20 of us and <laughs> that small church before and we've laughed at that um and i i can remember running from god multiple times in my life um and then i finally you know when we moved to Terre Haute in 2000 whenever um 12 2011 or 12 10 i don't know whenever we did it date doesn't matter um you know being approached and we're like hey you know we need a children's director. Would you be willing? And then having this talk with the pastor there and they're like, Oh no, you're going to be the children's pastor. But that church didn't ordain people. Well, they didn't ordain their pastors. Um, and it just happened. And then, uh, so I ran that. And then I took the, the youth, youth minister's job. And I say job loosely. Like I took the position and I had a, a gentleman named Bob Weeks come to me and he was like, you know, you're more than a youth guy. Have you ever thought about pastoring or planting? And I was like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, is that for me? 
And he's like, well, God may be calling you for it. And then I, the, my joke that I said then, and I laugh at now, was, man, if God's calling me, like he's calling the wrong number. Mm. Well, you know, God, uh, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Right. And then ironically, you know, a year later, I'm, I'm being ordained. So I ran, I ran from my calling for years. Mm. Um, you know, I graduated high school in 03. Did you feel it before Bob made that statement to you? I did, but I okay. also was was scared. Had it not been recognized or affirmed to you by another man, or was Bob yeah, the first? It most certainly has. Um, okay. Bryce, friend of the show, Bryce. But uh, it was I, Bryce after Bob or before? No, Bryce, Br- Bryce was before Bob. That's right. Yeah, Bryce was the interim after Bob. Or Bob was the interim after Bryce. Correct. Um, so, no, I'd, I'd had adults say to me, but I also know my past. Sure. Right? And I think the devil really will play you as a fool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought there was no way with somebody of my past that had done the stuff that I had done. Um, and when I, like, I, I'm not a murderer by any means, although if you look at the way the Ten Commandments are laid out, you know, I've had. Sure, you are. So I am. But, you know, like I've had I've had struggles with mental health. I've had suicide attempts. Um, I've, you know, objectified women. I did the whole drug scene. Uh, I was not a good person for a long time. Mm. And so because of all that, I was like, there's no way that somebody like me. And, you know, and I've heard stories of people coming from that. And now they're pastors, you know, a pastor of my home church in Ohio County. Um he he used drugs and then he was actually he'd still use drugs based on the pulpit and it really was like well there's you know now he's just lying mm. well no i think a robbie gallaty that's robbie gallaty's story right he was he was a he was on drugs and and really the lord pulled him from that to the position he's in now at at, at long hollow right but long story short like i just I felt there's no way, like the calling that I was feeling was my pride because there's no way God would call me. Right. I think sometimes we see these polished men on pedestals and we forget that God uses crooked sticks to draw straight lines. Right. And I mean, I mean look at Paul. Mm-hmm. The crookedest of sticks. Right. That man like tormented Christians and then became like the apostle of all the apostles. So same thing for me. I mean, I fought it for some over 20 years. It would be a, a, a idea that would come, an idea that would go, and I just never really saw it as myself until God broke me of that. So, I mean, I, I fought it for a long time, never really thought of it as being something tangible. And then when those opportunities came, there was, I mean, it just felt perfect and right. Um, My question to you is while you were sussing out this call and, you know, listening to men like Bryce and Bob Weeks pour into you and have these opportunities come up to you, did you ever once, and I'm not talking about, you know, we all have the prideful moments when you're sitting, you know, you're a faithful servant in your church, whether you're on staff or you're an active member and you're sitting there and you'd be like, bro, I can do this. I could be so much better than him, right? Um, until that day, then when those that you get that opportunity, and you're like, "Oh, oh my gosh, I should have eaten those words." Um, 
you ever feel demanding about getting to the pulpit? Did you ever think you deserved it? Did you ever think that I should be up there? And I'm not talking about a fleeting, prideful moment. I'm talking about I need to be up there. I should be preaching. That's a loaded question. And I'm not talking about those one-offs because you're you're in a church maybe with a guy who, you know, I, I've been in churches where dudes do skits on Sundays in the pulpits with puppets and disguises and stuff like that. And I mean, I've been that prideful guy. Like there's no way on God's green earth, I'm going to do that when I get that opportunity and I could do better. Yeah. So there have been times that I've sat in, in, in the pew and heard a sermon preached by my senior pastor. And I would think, man, this is not what people need to hear. This is not the good news. Okay. I should have probably preached today. Okay. So that's um, one time. So I've I've had those. Right. But but was it week after week after week, like a gnawing, a demanding that you're you're publicly saying but for me to say challenging that I deserve mm-hmm. to the pulpit. Um no, it is my longing to be able to teach and preach. Um I I have that desire in me. Um because that that is my calling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I also know that I don't need a pulpit to teach. Um, the job that I have right now as a, as a parole officer and probation officer in the, the Commonwealth of Kentucky, I know that I can use that role to teach, right? I can Absolutely. show Christ, um, and really never say the name, but they, they understand there's something a little bit different, right? And so I, I use my platform the way that I can right now. Uh, but it is it is my desire to to preach and teach, right? But not to the point to where I'm going to be like, I'm better than you. Give me your job. But it's not Andy's desire as much as a a, a want and desire. It's it's the spirit moving in you that's creating that desire. It is the desire. But I also understand that I have this desire, and if it's of God, then those opportunities will come. Amen. Okay. I've been. I've been to to fill in at a church from time to time here um this sunday i'm filling in and teaching a youth group um at the church that i'm I'm at and so and there will be times that i'll do pulpit fill until the lord gives me the church that he wants me to serve at full-time part-time whatever but uh, the the desire that i have right now is to just follow his will and to let him drive i don't have here to be like nope nope i'm planting my flag this is mine yeah I, I can't say that i have that on a regular basis so that being said i'm just gonna i'm gonna come out i'm i'm gonna say it. it's the loaded the loaded question loaded response whatever i will full disclosure i think we told bryce when he was on maybe this was off the air but i am the douglas wilson of the podcast so i'm gonna wear that hat today i in my own experience, I'm not going to say this is every woman who calls themselves a pastor, or I know there are tribes that have ordained women pastors. But in my own experience, women that I have read or known, seen or heard who have a desire to preach, and these soft men who call themselves pastors who push that agenda, I never hear about a call. I just hear these women, I should be up there. Why am I not up there? And those soft men that push that agenda say they should be there. 
And I never hear of a call. I never hear the Lord's name invoked in this. I never hear the struggle that they may have gone through through their call and wrestling with it. It's just, give me the microphone. Let me up on the pulpit. I am woman, hear me roar. So I am probably going to get in trouble for this. I know. I'm sorry. I love you. I I love you. Um, So uh, let's take a step back. And, and so I was on interviewing for deacons at a church I was serving at, and we were interviewing two women, and I feel the deacon role, you're called. Amen. It's not just, just like a pastor, you're called for that role. Um, it's not one of those, hey, we need somebody, come do this. And so when I was interviewing, all these questions were being asked, and I looked at this woman and I said, do you feel called to be a deacon? And she just stared at me. And she was like, well, I feel called for a leadership position. Uh, you know, I feel like it's best that we have women on leadership. So I said, but do you feel called? And she wouldn't say yes or no. And I think that that's a disqualifying statement. And Doesn't mean that no woman could be a deacon. Correct. Yeah. But she shouldn't have been. And I was told by the overwhelming majority of the board and pastors that I served with that that question was outdated and nobody feels that. And to kind of back off of that question. About a calling. Right. And so when it was at that time, I realized looking back that that should have been my first indicator that this wasn't the spot. But, it, you know, I, I stayed. So I say that to say, yeah, I think a lot of times, like this calling, it's we want to be so far ahead on social issues that look at us, we have diversity. And diversity is a great thing. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Well, I don't know. Look at the Biden administration. Sweet God, we're going there now. Um, you're, I'm Look, Dr. Wife is going to listen to this. I'm going to be in so much trouble. Uh, you can't play with Chad no more. I'm going to be grounded from the podcast. Um, I don't know get, what I'm, I'll get Bryce to be my guest host for a couple of weeks. He's going to have to be because Ashley's going to hit me. Um, where was I going with? Oh, we we want so bad for diversity that we take God out of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we want to be on the forefront. So we're going to have women in this role because it makes us look good. Mm hmm. So we're going to push and we're going to push and we're going to push. And eventually we're going to forget our first love and we're going to fall in love with the attention and we're going to fall in love with the, the, the worldview and we're going to forget about God's view. It's like the talk we had about, uh, and you may be going somewhere with this. And so if I'm stealing your thunder, no, go ahead, suck it up. I'm going to steal it. <laughs> but it's, it's, you wanting to plant an urban church in a non-urban area. Yeah. And the guy sitting there with you, like, do, do you have black people in your community? Oh, um, I'll, I'll tell you, I was in Chicago with Doug Logan. Okay, well, I was Doug Logan. Because it'll make way more sense coming yeah, from. That was black. Doug Logan. I was, I was at a conference and I was at the after meeting at the conference and I was at a, uh, a cigar shop in uh, St. Charles, Illinois with Doug Logan and Doug Logan, you know, it was a, I had been part, I was part of an Acts 29 church and we were talking about being multicultural and multi-ethnic and Doug Logan's question to me was, do you have black folks at your church? I said, no. 
you have black folks in the town. I said, well, sure, but not really. I mean, it's a very small amount. And he's like, what are you going to do? You're going to go across town and bust black folks to your church? Just serve the community and find a way to serve black folks. If you if that's where your heart is, like, why are you going to drag people kicking and screaming across town to come to your church? And And so I think to answer that, going back to your statement, like, I think we push the call away because we want so bad to meet a certain demographic population or whatever, and we take scripture out of it or we manipulate scripture to fit our political beliefs. Mm, good. Do you do you think we do it because we want to be right? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely we do. Every nobody likes being wrong. You find me a person that likes being wrong and you're a liar. Sure. Um now I'm okay with being proved wrong if I'm proved wrong correctly. Sure, sure. I don't want to be wrong and it it it, it affects me deeply. Um but we're so worried about being wrong that we're pushing for what the world says is right. And right now, if you're a man, you're wrong. That is, that is the way of, of society right now in the you, Western world. You just got yourself uh, in trouble. My hands are, I have washed my hands clean. Yeah. Thanks, Judas. Um, oh, that was, um, uh, that was Pontius Pilate. Pilate. Uh, there was a Judas statement in there somewhere. There had to have been. Anyway, but like that that's public enemy number one right now, right? Oh, yeah. It, well, we can expand on that, right? If you're a... If you are a white, cisgender, heterosexual, conservative, evangelical man, you are Satan incarnate. I don't even know what cisgender means. I'm I don't either anymore. I'm old. I don't know what these things mean. I just think that if you're cisgender, you're on the wrong side of the whole gender dynamic thing. So yeah, we, and so the church unfortunately has fallen into this social justice. You know, we want to be on the right side of this, we want to be on the right side of that, we want to have this, we want to push that. And it's not to bring glory to God, it's to bring I don't know all in the name of bringing together um, and we should be brought together, but it should be the gospel that brings us together. And so I think we're so focused on social justice that we forget about Jesus's justice. Ooh, that's a good one. That's tweetable. That's tweetable. That's tweetable. Right. Remember that. I'm, I'm tweeting it from our, our yes. account. Right so I'm going to say this. I'm going to pull, I'm gonna pull uh, a, a Virgil and I'm going to tag myself in it. Amen. My 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 challenge to these men in pulpits who want to get who who call for women to be preaching, the these soft pastors, right, that, that call for women to be preaching, why do I not see women preach in their churches? Why are they calling for it, it verbally? They're calling for it in their sermons, they're calling for it in their in their social media posts. Why do I not see women preaching in their churches? Why do I not see women on staff in their churches as pastors? Why are they not willing to step down today and give? I mean, Rick Warren did it. Kind of. 
Why are they not willing to just say, hey, I'm going to walk away and I'm giving the reins to Monica. To Pastrix Monica. Yeah. Um, about to get me in a lot of trouble here tonight. No, I'm just I'm not I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. I'm thinking of a slew of folks who constantly are on soapboxes about this, yet I do not see women preach in their pulpits. I think a lot of it is pride. Mm. Again, we want to be on the right side. So we're going to say all the right things that's going to make us look good, but we're not ready to give up that quote-unquote power. Right? Do you you think these are the same dudes that rail against you know, somebody like they'd rail against somebody like Doug Wilson and I'm, you know, I whatever you think about these guys like Doug Wilson or Mark Driscoll or somebody and they'll, they'll quote unquote call them platform builders because they have large platforms, whether those happen organically or not, right? They have large platforms. Do you think they want a platform and their platform is going to be, Hey, I'm, I'm the dude who wants women pastors. No, I think that's exactly what it is. It's a platform. And I think there are godly women who serve their churches well who are able to teach and teach within what scripture says. And I could think of, you know, I think of Jen Wilkin within the SBC. I think I have read a couple of Jen Wilkin's books. I, I, I've seen Jen Wilkin speak. I think Jen Wilkin is a solid Bible teacher. And I could go back to scripture and I think about these same guys who are calling for women in the pulpit and these women who are like, I should be here. What about, what about Ruth? What about Hannah? What about Mary, the mother of Jesus? What about Mary Magdalene? What about Martha and Mary? These are humble women who served. What about what about Hagar? Right, Hagar, the Abraham's concubine. She's the first woman to use the Lord's personal name. What about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman? She's the first person to give the gospel. Mary Magdalene's the first person to witness the resurrection. I mean, women throughout Christianity are are in key roles. Oh, absolutely, they are. But they're that, humble. I wanna I wanna go ahead and make sure that we're clear on our stance. Women have a role in the church. Women they, have a big role in the church. They have every role in the church as men except one. And so let's let's look at the Great Commission. I don't have it pulled up, um, but, you know, it's go into all the world, making disciples, baptizing them. I'm paraphrasing, of course, um, because I don't have it in front of me. Uh, I should probably have it memorized, but I'm really worried that if I say I have it memorized and I misspeak one word, I'll never hear the end of it from somebody named Chad. So that's, <laughs> that's where I'm at. Okay, like go make disciples. Uh, let's go make disciples of all nations. Right, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so that isn't pastors go make disciples in all nations and baptize them. That isn't pastors go and make sure that you're doing all this. That is all of us. That is men, that is women, children. Children. You are to be doing this as well. Um, I have some stories I can tell you about my son who just, I get butterfly giddy when I, when I think of that story, that's for another episode. Women, you are called 
to make disciples. Amen. It's not for pastors. And that call, that command in the call, in the Great Commission, the only command Jesus gives us is to go and make disciples, right? It is rather, I'm sorry, is to make disciples. The mode in making disciples, the way we make disciples is going, is baptizing, right, and teaching. That's the way we make disciples, but the call is to make disciples. Let's look at that. Women, you are called to go make disciples. You are called to teach those disciples. Women should be teaching. I I think Sunday school classes, Bible studies, women should be teaching. And here's the one where, where we don't see it enough. And I'll say, like, we need women doing this. Uh, you should be baptizing people. Mm-hmm. Pastors are not the only ones that can baptize people. I think one of the neatest things I've ever seen is, and I believe I watched you do it, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm wrong, I'll be wrong. But the the pastor baptized the dad, mm-hmm. and the dad turned around and baptized his wife and kids. Yes. I think that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen done. And I've done that multiple times. I will baptize one to get the family, the, that first link in the chain. And, and granted, if it is a... If it is a traditional family, I will baptize the father and let him lead because he's the spiritual leader in the Correct. home. Um, and so, women, if you are sharing the gospel and you're doing that and you help a friend come to Christ, baptize him. Go down to the river. You take know, that I- van that Andy and I are soon going to be living in down by the river and <laughs> go and <laughs> baptize your sister. You want to do it in the church? Like, tell him Andy sent you. Well, Andy said I should be able to do this. And Andy said you should be able to do it because Jesus said you should be able to do it. Amen. So I'm not saying you should sit there, shut up, and make me a sandwich. That was never my argument. Dr. Wife, I love you. My argument. No, it's not mine either. Has been like, let's do it the right way. You have a role when I, you know, me, me and Dr. Wife had the, the conversation on, and I, I think I confused her because uh, if I get caught off guard by a question, I I ramble. Um, mm. Really. And if I have a podcast. You ramble. Ramble. It's just my nature and I'm sorry. Um, and so I think that for a little bit and maybe even now, like she thought, oh, so the women's role compliment the men and that's it. No, no. The men's role compliment the women, and the women's role compliments the men, and we all work together. Like we're mm-hmm. all we're all greasing each other's cogs and wheels so that the church runs as one giant living breathing organism. That sounds dirty. It it did, and I didn't mean for it to. And I was hoping you wouldn't say anything because my youth passed your mind after I said it. And that's why I tried to emphasize organism so I didn't say the other word. Uh, <laughs> That's happened to somebody else that I know, and I just giggle every time. But <laughs> so we can, we we can, we're going over forty five minutes. Yeah, I know. Um, we're 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 landing the plane. Yeah, we're 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 coming in. Our 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 landing gear is down at least. Um, our wheel may be sideways, but it's down. But no, like we're, if we're going to work together as a cohesive unit, like we have to we have to work together, right? It can't just be the right arm demanding that the rest of the body follow it. We have to work together. 
and our roles have to have to to fit within each other but then those roles also have to fit biblically mm. because if we're leading a church from a non-biblical manner we're leading people to hell amen that is, un, that is an unpopular opinion that could be considered a hot take that's whatever. a good word because we're afraid to talk about hell because we might offend somebody or, you know, God knows there are pastors out there that don't believe in hell. That's a good word. But if we're not going to lead a church from a biblical perspective, which is the perspective of Jesus, then we're leading our congregation straight to hell. And here's the thing. As pastors, we're going to be held accountable for that. We are. I mean, it, it And I don't know if a lot of us remember that. No, but it tells us in scripture, like, hey, you want to be a pastor? Cool. Uh, you're going to be held to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. You're going to be judged more harshly. So here's the thing. The people that I have misled as I've grown, uh, the people that haven't been reached in the world that are dying and going to hell, the the people I don't know, right, I'm held accountable why? Because I have taken a role that I was called to do to lead and lead properly. Mm. Well, I don't right? think this is this isn't going to get sussed out in the SBC until this June in New Orleans. I, it's not the last of it. I think all these churches get an opportunity to appeal at the convention. And um, if I was yeah, a betting true. man, they're going to appeal. Uh, you know, they, they have the right to appeal. Now, whether they will or not. Oh, I think true. they will. I think, I, think, some, I think it's a given. But I'll say this, as I think you just had the, the best good word tonight, so I'm going to say this. Um, all these folks that care so much about the SBC and, and why we should change and acquiesce to their line of thinking and change our confession to feel what they do, they're they're not even Baptist, let alone SBC. And I challenge, why why do these people not have hot takes about what's going on with the United Methodist Church? And the churches, the conservative churches that are leaving over doctrinal issues um, in, in their own charters and confessions there, like these these same folks, they don't they care about the SBC because, I mean, some of it's our fault because I think we've. Uh, we've kind of directed ourselves as America's denomination. And so we put ourselves in the in the crosshairs, but you know, put yourself in the spotlight. You better be ready to get burned. They're looking for some stuff. Well, Andy, I don't know if we solved the issue. I mean, I think I'll just say this. Um, I mean, I can speak for Andy. I think on this situation and say that we, um, on this podcast, as pastors, as as men, um, we do not hate women. I think women are are not subservient to men and women are equal to men. And the only difference comes in, in a couple of household duties that the men are the head of the household because the Bible clearly states that we are we are to love our wives and, and our families the way Christ loves the church, and that meant death. And Absolutely. and the only role really between men and women in the church is of that one position of pastor. And I will tell you this, if you know, and, and once Chad realizes what I'm going to say, he'll start giggling. Um, if you know me and my wife, 
you know that I'm not the guy that is is the I am over you hear me roar mm. because I I ask permission to do everything. <laughs> I, I barely breathe without asking if I can do that. Well, um, Andy, the the powers at Microsoft, the powers at B are telling me my battery's gonna die. So you get the last word, brother. Again, focus Jesus, right? You're going to deconstruct, reconstruct around Jesus. You're going to preach justice, make it Jesus's justice. Amen. That inevitably is what we want. And so go out this week, make your disciples, lead your disciples, and show them the love of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you want, you could reach out to us uh, on Twitter. Our Twitter handle, again, is at Hill Hipster Pod. You can email us, hillhipsterpod at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to check out St. Galgano Armory. Um, they're on Twitter. They're on Instagram. Their Etsy shop is etsy.com slash shop slash St. Galgano Armory. Use the code hillbilly at checkout, and you'll save 10%. Um, Andy? I'm going to read you this from Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me, and this is Jesus talking, on heaven, in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's That's go it. to the hollow house, brother. Go to the house. All right. Be blessed. See you guys.